Hi, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce finally, my book is out. Collaboration is the new competition. Why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and how not to get left behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then It's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and, in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, It results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. We're going to have an amazing conversation today about a subject that is sometimes very overwhelming to people. It's overwhelming to companies. It's overwhelming to organizations and to communities as a whole. So I have a very special guest. Hansi Singh is going to join us today. She is the CEO, the chief science officer, and the co-founder of Planet. Now, when you think about going out and selling climate change, I know we're all very overwhelmed, unsure what to do, but this is a climate tech startup specializing in year-ahead forecasts of environmental variables and extreme weather risks, and they are helping people take real action. So, Hansi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Priscilla. 
We'll start with the big issue here. Climate change is one of those things that we all feel like we need to be involved with, but immediately we're so overwhelmed, we don't know what to do. And they always put out all of these crazy, this is what's going to happen. It almost feels catastrophic all the time. So help me understand what is different at Planet and how you're framing a better conversation. Absolutely. So I think one thing that's so crucial when considering climate change, it's such a huge problem. And I think that we have to really help us as human beings be able to actually synthesize it so that we can take action. And I think that's really difficult when you're looking at climate change over these very long time horizons. So at Planet, we really try to provide information to folks on really critical things such as extreme weather, floods, hurricanes, severe convective storms with giant hailstones, wildfires, all of these climate hazards. We provide this information three months ahead, a year ahead, all the way up to five years ahead. And by doing so, we actually help people be able to hold the space for what climate change means very particularly for them and their businesses so that they can take the adaptive action that is crucial for their particular case. And by doing that, we try to help people not feel overwhelmed and to actually take action month by month year by year to the point that they can be adapted. So companies have real remits about the environment. (laughs) And these originally went mainstream as more that people knew that people were being careful about their carbon footprint. But different industries have different connections to the environment, whether it's their product or getting their product to market. There's a lot of other conversations about how do we manage this climate change in next month and how do we deal with it six months from now when it's wildfire season or whatever it is. So give us a couple examples of real life things where you're giving good information to companies that is helping them take action today and in the very near future, as opposed to these big off event horizons dates. Absolutely. So first of all, this is the world that we have to adapt to. I think that's one thing that often it's very difficult to wrap your head around. If you're on the side that you're like, yeah, we need to decrease emissions. Yes, let's do that. I completely like 100%. That is what we need to do. But even if we decreased emissions to zero today, This is the climate that we're left with, right? Extreme weather events are worse than they were during our parents' generation or even 20 years ago. And so what that means is that we're going to need very concrete adaptive action. So let's like think about what that means for different businesses. Let's say that you're an oyster family farm. For these farms, oysters are very sensitive. They're very temperature sensitive. They're very salinity sensitive, like how salty the ocean is. And climate change is bringing those parameters out of healthy ranges for a lot of these animals. And so because of that, what happens is that you sometimes have issues with really bad phytoplankton blooms. You have issues with weird viruses that are coming in because the temperature is now higher. And sometimes you're literally wiping out whole harvests as these conditions change. So what we can do is that we can come in, we can provide forecasts of water temperature and water saltiness, the salinity. And by doing so, we can help folks 
three months in advance, six months in advance, know what types of adaptive action they need to take for their oyster beds so that those beds stay in optimal conditions. And the reason why it's so important to get this information early rather than just as the heat wave is happening or something like that is because of the fact that oysters, as soon as you start messing with them, you have to do it very slowly. And if you don't, like they won't survive, unfortunately. And so what we can do is by providing this information early, a farmer can have conditions optimally designed for those oysters in spite of whatever those environmental conditions are going to be in three months. And so there is just such clear adaptive action that's possible. And so there's so many different cases like this from the small like oyster farmers to like the immense like cities and helping cities keep the lights on during extreme weather events like heat waves, for example. So we can just see this whole range of adaptive action that's possible if people have the right information at these right time horizons that allows them to take action. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do you gather the data? Now, I know you have a lot of experience and you serve on a lot of boards and you chair a lot of amazing weather-related organizations. But tell us about what is the large, like the aggregate data that you're getting? And then what are you all at Planet doing that's a little bit different? Absolutely. So, First of all, when it comes to weather forecasts, weather forecasts, we're used to seeing them like a week ahead, up to two weeks ahead, when most of us like to complain about how often they're wrong, which they are. It's just the nature of, we've all heard of the butterfly effect and all of that, that these forecasts can just not be perfect. They can get better and better, but they're never going to be 100%. But what we do is not weather forecasting, but we actually use global climate models and we run these forward in time for many months into the future, up to a few years. And by doing that and starting them from certain optimal initial conditions, we can actually determine what conditions are going to be like next season, next year, et cetera. So really what we're exploiting is ocean data. It turns out that when the climate has memory over these types of timescales, all of that memory is in the ocean. And so what we do is that we initialize with certain ocean initial conditions. And then from there, we can run our models forward in time and be able to predict at those time horizons, three months all the way up to five years. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. Yes, I finally wrote my book. I'm an author. It's published. It's available on Amazon. And you ask, Priscilla, how did you do it? <laughs> Are you an aspiring author looking to transform your ideas into a compelling book that elevates your brand and establishes your authority or in your industry? You're probably like me and wondering how on earth you're actually going to make that happen given all of the demands of your busy schedule. Well, I didn't do it alone. And that's the good news. But you also want to be in the process in such a meaningful way. And I know there's some talk out there about people ghostwriting books, but that's really not a good formula for communicating truly what you know and how you know it. Instead, I prefer a scribe method. And what this involves is you getting large chunks of time where you're talking one-on-one -on -one with a scribe and working your ideas out all the while a transcript is happening. And then someone can go in, refine, edit, and then present back to you 
what you said. So don't let your story remain untold just because you have a busy schedule. I want to put you in touch with a scribe that would work for you and see what it would take to get you further down the road to becoming that published author. Just send me a line at info at littlebirdmarketing.com and I'll help you take that next step. Give you the link to make that connection and see if this is right for you. Don't miss out on an opportunity to make your mark in the literary world. I know you have a book in you. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. So you've really brought a new idea just even into my brain, which is this idea of being resilient when it comes to the climate and companies and organizations, communities, as they're looking at what should we do today? What should we do in a few months? What should we be thinking about in the next three years? Which having lived in California, I can completely appreciate (laughs) how companies become more adaptive is largely based on the quality of the information they're getting, like you're saying, we get inaccurate weather reports for tomorrow. So how do we go about making our companies more resilient, understanding these larger trends? So what would you all like to see at Planet? And how are you using this data? How are you disseminating this information to companies in a better way so they can take action? Right now, we are mainly dealing with companies that have currently some aspect where they are making future decisions in a data-driven way. So once they already have that mindset of thinking about that future and wanting to use data to determine how they frame and direct that future, what we do is then for those companies, they can literally take our forecasts, integrate them into their workflows and then make their decisions as they see fit. Now, one thing that I can see, this is definitely like the leading tail of companies in terms of companies that like to plan and that are very data-driven in terms of decision-making. There's going to be a huge number of companies that are not in that sort of frame. And so it's for those companies that as we go from that leading edge of companies that we're currently selling to companies that are going to require more handholding when it comes to taking data and being able to make decisions with it. Yeah, that is an interesting sort of next step of thinking how we're going to grow planet. But definitely that is what I think we need to get to because honestly, I am not sure how companies that are not using data are going to be able to survive in such a volatile different world. It will be tough. And we don't want like large-scale economic havoc to accompany the large-scale environmental havoc that we're wreaking. So I think it's really going to be crucial to get companies, many of which are in industries that are very conservative and that don't use data, to figure out how to be able to use these forecasts. And one thing you might be wondering is like, how do we know that our forecasts are? And the way that we do that is we actually do a bunch of back testing. And so we run physics-based models. So these are independent models. And we run these models and we can run them over the past and say, okay, this is what the model predicted in the past. And then this is what actually happened. And so you can see oh, yes, like we predicted that. And then for companies that are already data-driven, they can look at that prediction and they can say, oh, we might have made a different decision and this could have saved us this much money, which is a really crucial sort of connection to be able to make so that people can then trust your product enough to be able to make concrete decisions about it in the future. 
So you talked about that predictive model using big data, really, and then adding to it. Tell me a little bit about how AI is playing into that for your team and what you're exploring. You've probably heard all of the stuff about like how AI is totally transforming weather. Like everybody, NVIDIA, I think, Google, all of these different folks are training these cool AI models that can then predict the weather even better than our state-of-the-art numerical weather prediction models like WARF, for example. And so what we do is we exploit some of that because what we can do is we can say, okay, the magic of AI is that it doesn't know physics but it can generate forecasts really fast. And when it comes to extreme weather, extreme weather is something that's on the tail of a distribution. It's like an unlikely thing. So what that means is that usually when you run a weather model using the latest physics-based models, what you're doing is say you have enough computing time to run 10 realizations of that model. But if you're looking at a one in 100 event that you want to try to understand, just doing 10 realizations is not going to be sufficient to be able to sample that event. What we can do with AI is we can just boost that. We can run a million ensemble members, a million different realizations of what can happen. And by doing that, we can really understand the distribution of those extremes. And then by doing that as well, then we can determine like how do those extremes vary year to year based on currently, this is the condition of the ocean, how will it evolve forward? How will that affect the extremes? So by being able to do that, we really are able to see into those black swan type events. This is such a practical application of big concepts into what should I do tomorrow at work (laughs) that it really feels a little bit hard to get a hold of. So as the CEO at Planet, how do you make this very simple? How do you basically recognize what kind of company is in what kind of need? So tell me a little bit about how you would actually say that to a company that would get them to understand this mega idea as a simple, practical approach to business. Absolutely. Once again, I think that because we're still dealing with kind of that leading edge of folks that are tend to be very data savvy, for them, the major sort of proof points that are needed are for those like the forecasts of the past. By doing forecasts of the past and showing that we are good at doing these predictions, often that is sufficient to just be like, okay, we can use this data and incorporate it into our workflows and use it for our decision making. Some of the sectors where people are data-driven like this, it includes like insurance. It includes some forms of real estate tech, like property tech. So a lot of, say, startups in many different fields are very data-driven. That tends to be the leading edge of how people are thinking about innovation. Because of that, a lot of these folks are within that kind of leading edge of early adopters for this information. I completely can see that many of these sectors are going to be a lot slower. One thing that we're finding, for example, is that renewable energy, which is a really important sector for us because we think that we can actually use this to help load balance the grid, letting people know, oh, there's going to be some heat waves this summer. And this is how much you can expect from your renewables in terms of energy. You probably need to have this much excess on the grid in order to balance load at these different times. We can tell folks that, and that can be really crucial information for keeping the lights on at a time where it's going to be so important in the middle of the heat wave 
for example, for people to be having power and air conditioning and all of that. And that is another area where taking that data and making it actionable is going to require a lot of us going into that company and really working with them closely to take this information and make it actionable for the sake of their load balancing. Okay. So instead of bankruptcy, instead of complete chaos in your town, you can opt for some serious planning, actionable data. So Hansi, this is just obviously the beginning of a conversation that gets much, much bigger for companies. And like you said, it is leading edge companies right now, but we hope that there's a lot more adoption because this only makes sense using more data to drive what we're doing day to day. You can find Hansi on LinkedIn, of course, and it's H-A-N-S-I and her last name is saying S-I-N-G-H. You can find her there. But Hansi, tell us where we can find more information about Planet. We have a website, www.planet.ai. And I would be super excited to talk to you as well. My email address, or you can just generally reach Planet as at info at planet.ai. If you want to have a larger conversation about how to get practical and how to digitally transform your practice as it relates to these large weather patterns and adapting to climate change, reach out to Hansi Singh. You can find her on LinkedIn. It's H-A-N-S-I Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Also, you could reach her at planet.ai. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.